Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. This is Chris. Hello, Paris. Hello, Chris. For episode three, we read Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. Not actually a terrible book, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, this was well written. I really liked the metaphors and similes used. Vocabulary was good. Um, Markedly different from marked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. It's This book is... I mean, just on another side of the planet from Mark. Whereas last week was a, a struggle to read line by line, line to line, rather. Uh, this one, not particularly offensive. No, I mean, I, I enjoyed, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed reading. Glance. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it. Like, it was a fun story to keep up with, um, you know, especially if you're already into fantasy novels. This is essentially your archetype fantasy novel as far as i'm concerned this was quite lengthier in comparison to the last two that we did so clearly we're not afraid to tackle some larger things yeah i mean the what marked was what like 200 pages 300 it was 300, 300. overton window was about was, the four three to four hundred this, this one was 820 pages so we've uh we've been putting ourselves through the ringer for uh, uh i <laughs> sat down with this book yet for most of yesterday i, I sacrificed myself to the terrible book god <laughs> you did and your sacrifice paid off. Uh, it did. You know, it was, like I said, it's not actually that terrible of a book. Yeah, there it, may be terrible aspects, though. Yeah, it was recommended to us by a friend of yours. Yeah, um, my friend TJ, who does listen to this sometimes, I believe, Yep, uh, recommended this to me on the basis of some things. But he did mention that it might not necessar- necessarily be as outright terrible as some of the other material we've dealt with so far. But this is only episode three. We're still exploring sort of the the outer reaches of terrible book club still feeling our way through the darkness here yeah uh trying to decide how we come at things and attack them and this might be a little bit different of an episode too just because of the length of the whole thing it it was quite lengthy so i don't think we can like walk through the plot as linearly as we have before so we apologize for any jumping around here but be prepared we're in i don't think we're going to keep many of the spoilers on the back burner maybe a couple of them for dramatic effects but We'll see how that plays out. Don't expect us to um, be super linear about any of this. Yeah, and we're not going to be attacking the writing at all because it, I feel like it was quite good. Um, I really did. Well, not, I only... not at all at all. We're going to be looking at some things. It's not <laughs> Hot like... need, Chris. Uh, yeah, okay, well. I mean, but seriously, though, there were... I only spotted a handful of typos in an 820 Oh, you're talking book, about, which... like, the minutiae of the writing. Yeah, and I, I thought it was still well... still some things to talk about, about sort of the broader themes and how stuff that's, is played that's, out that's and presented mean. and stuff yeah, like that. That's exactly. still part of the writing. Yes, but... 
I'm saying you're talking about the mechanical bits. Yes, of the that was fine in this book, um, and I I enjoy that because that's something that obviously bothers me, which we've all learned uh, over the last few episodes. Yeah, the, even though I like, once again sacrificed my Sunday, uh, the Lord's Day, the terrible book God's Day in this case. Yeah, it's definitely um, terrible. It day. wasn't a bad way to spend a Sunday. I didn't have much else to do, obviously, but yeah. Um, but here we are now. Um, it's we were hoping to have a guest on this one in our friend TJ that recommended it to us, but uh, stuff didn't exactly work out quite the right way. Yeah, there's like time he, zone issues. Yeah, and... he figured it would be more fun to just listen to us discuss it in the end anyway. So we'll, we're going to go ahead and forge into this this tome. Yeah. Uh, so the, I guess, the basics, uh, main characters. So we have Richard Cipher, Colin Omnell, uh, Zed... The wizard. Zed Zorander. Zed, Zedicus Zul Zorander, first yeah. of all. Triple Z's. <laughs> Triple Z. Uh, How I know. felt when I was reading this book sometimes. Yeah, actually, not really. Not, not really. really. That's true. Um, but here, then- right off the gate, here's we could talk about right, right <laughs> out the gate here, fantasy names. Like oh, We're yeah. probably going to be talking about broader fantasy novel themes while we do this podcast. And let's start right out the gate with the naming conventions that might occur in any sort of fantasy novels. This one is especially guilty of the uh, <laughs> normal name, weird name thing. Yeah. You got like some kid, there's Richard, and then there's Bill, and then there's like a Ted maybe somewhere in there. There's there's a couple other Annie, characters with like normal know, names, yeah. and then you have Zed and Kalan. And then, oh my god, my can we talk about our favorites? Our favorite bros? <laughs> who, who are our favorite bros? <laughs> penis rail <laughs> penis rail okay well it's penis rail might that's not exactly how it's pronounced although it might be depending uh, on if you take the uh the 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 tv show that, oh the tv okay that was so, based on this, this series yeah of books. they they took this se- okay so it's a it's about to be a 15 book series the last book is coming out at the end of this year um the whole series is called the sword of truth series and uh, about I'm going to sneak my mic forward a little bit. Apologize. For no, that's fine. <laughs> about, what, like 13 years ago? Uh, maybe 15 years ago? They um, I was I was counting. I don't know. It was like 2000 or 2001. Someone decided to try to make this into a series. They did two seasons. It it looks fucking awful. They changed the plot around almost entirely. Um, the acting was bad. You can just look it up on YouTube. They made all of this one type of character like a giant horde of lesbians and they're not really in the books it's it's just craziness what's wrong with that nothing wrong with it but it's just nothing to do with the story like why did you have to put that in there tv show yeah exactly you know game of thrones gotta use that sex position why can't anyone else use it i don't know this was this yeah the tv show didn't look good but anyway they sort of they instead we're pronouncing sort of the main female lead's name as Kalan. Well, or, I say Colin. Yeah, whatever. It's Kalan. Kalan, Colin, whatever. I'll the say The TV Colin. show says Kalen, which, which is no like sense. some American suburbia shit that, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're going with the normal name thing, they were trying to lean towards that or something. Yeah. But she has an A-H in her name, and this other character that we mentioned, Penis Rail, as we're saying, was actually <laughs> Panis Rall. Yeah. Although if you accept the naming convention of the TV show, it might be... Panis Rail. Rail. Yeah. It, his name's Panis. I'm sorry, but, it, but you can't it, expect me not to giggle <laughs> at any name that's a letter away from penis. Well, that and okay, my favorite if is If you had a character named Virginia, yeah. I'm without the R, I might I will giggle the whole time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's like his son is Darkin Raw. The whole time, all I could do was think about this guy as Rob Darkin. Rob Darkin for anybody that's into metal out there, if you're listening to this, obviously you know who that is. A uh, guy that was 
guy that is Graveland, just a totally ridiculous um, caricature of a human being. So the whole time, I'm just thinking of the main villain as Rob Darkin, which made it all the funnier for me and for any of you who know who that is. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. so there's these fantasy names. Darkin Rawl is sort of our main antagonist through the whole thing. Who, as you said, is like comically evil to a point. Yeah, we'll get into... So that's one of the problems I have with this book, but let's just kind of start it out here. We have our main characters, which we... We start with Richard. He's like a woods guide or something yep. like that. He's out in the forest, as you are in fantasy worlds all the time. <laughs> yep, always in the forest. Starts out in the forest till randomly one day. Um, and he spies the female lead from afar. Yep. Chance meeting, of course. And she's being followed by a squad of guys. A quad, as a, it were. A, a, four guys is called a quad. And real, you know, fantastical naming conventions going on here. <laughs> he follows her down, tries to save her, and they get into a tussle with the quad. Some dudes end up killed. There's a weird magic light or whatever. No, a weird, a weird magic thunder without sound. That's how it's described. Uh, yeah, but wouldn't that just be lightning? Thunder and light. Oh my god, we've had this conversation before, Chris. Yeah, but lightning is the sound. visual and thunder is the sound of the lightning. Sometimes, not always. If it was really lightning, he would have just said lightning. He wouldn't have said thunder yeah, without sound. Uh, yeah, but then... What it's, is, it's a feeling. It's a reverberation. Uh, anyway, okay. so there's All this right. magical, yeah. crazy Let's magical... Let's not quibble rever- over... Yeah, yeah. We've um, gotten to this argument before about thunder yeah, and lightning, believe it or not. Yes, we have. Lengthy arguments <laughs> about thunder versus lightning, but continue. Yeah, um, so anyway, he saves her you know it starts off with this like damsel in distress scenario and you're like oh she's fucking not god, really not in this distress it no seems. i know but that's what i'm saying like you you're like oh god not this again but then later you kind of find out that like she wasn't really in distress and richard was just you know being a typical dude thinking that she yeah so help. anyway they they meet up they have the meeting and richard tries to get to know her better because hey you see a lady chilling in the woods getting chased by some dudes you want you to help her yeah, out and she was in this this you like, kill some pristine... guys with this lady you might want to know about her well and she was in this pristine white dress like he'd never seen anything like it and she had long hair which in this book is a mark of importance so not where he lives not where, that's oh that's true not where he lives fuck never mind but the dress i remember him thinking like oh that's what were you doing in the forest in this pure white dress that's kind of weird yeah, it might get dirty i don't know she just likes to, she's like a nymph lady just wanders around nymphs, singing anyway, lightly and dancing so from, no you know those forest no, ladies always out no. in the forest so, doing forest things yeah but okay so richard is from <laughs> westland where there is no magic none of that shit so he just thinks this is another woman Whatever. They get talking. He decides to help her. Uh, Then they have to go to... They go to his brother's house. His brother just got elected first counselor, which is, I don't know, president of Westland or something. Yeah, he's president of Westland. Or something. And they go and he's like, oh, my brother can help you out or whatever. And I I have my buddy Chase over here. Yeah. And so they they go over to Michael's house and he's accepting his speech he's he's accepting his position as first counselor today and he gives this you know pretty ruckus speech to, meant to fire people up interestingly enough he also seeks to, he has a problem with fire yeah uh, the introduction to this character is that he gives a big speech about how fire needs to stop we need to very much stop fire yeah it's like, a problem like around here that is his platform. fire needs to be extinguished uh, yeah when i read that <laughs> i was fire like needs what to be extinguished. it was the strangest political it, platform i've ever seen yeah i suppose um he i i every time i read through this book fire became kind of this theme later on where there's a reason he's not just like you know fire sucks man it's too warm but I thought of people that were so proactive about <laughs> fighting fires that they wouldn't even let you have a lighter or something. No, that's how just it is, Just imagine a squad of firefighters were like just tossing your, your lighter to the ground and be like, hey, 
We told you no fire ever. No, that's a cigarette dangling from your mouth unlit. Just that sad. is that is what happened, though. I mean, eventually it became like people couldn't have fires in their homes. They couldn't um, they couldn't cook. They couldn't use it for warmth. Yeah, fire is not allowed, apparently. Yeah. Um, and his his bullshit reason is that his mother was killed in a fire. Yeah, that's um, sort of his. Just like, Richard we've all like, lost someone to evil fire. No one yeah. should have to suffer fire anymore. Yeah, and the crowd is like, yeah, fire. Fuck terrible. fire, man. I hate it. Yeah, like, that shit what? is hot. Yeah, it was it was very strange. Um, People loving it though. But but like, what is it? Like a page later, you're like, uh, I was like, oh, okay, I know what that's about. Then he's you know in cahoots with the dude. Um, yeah, he's clearly. They had just mentioned that fire was a thing with uh, Rob Darkin over there. Yeah, so he, he kind of that that yeah. gets into that later. But let's continue because yeah. this sort of the intro. This is all set up yeah. stuff for that. So really anyway, a whole lot he and later. Colin leave. They take Chase with them to get to um, the boundary between. Uh, let's Westland explain who Chase Midland. is. He is Richard's boundary warden friend. But they don't take him yet. You're mixing things up here. They go to his house first, but I, I was trying to. They go to Chase's him. house later. They go to Zed's house first. It's just him and Colin. Oh, did they get Zed and then... Oh, you're right. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. We're trying to skip over all the smaller things that happen yeah. here. So anyway, this little contingent... Colin's looking for an old wizard that yeah. she that people in the Midlands, where she's from, used to know. There's a boundary between the Midlands and the Westlands. It's a magical boundary. Magical boundary that's super hard to cross or what have you. Yeah, because you have to go through the underworld. Yeah, okay. Well... Yeah. So she crossed through that somehow. It's mystifying. And she's like, I got to find this old wizard guy. Do you know anyone who might know where a wizard is? And Rich is like, oh, I got this buddy I know who likes to watch clouds a lot. That sounds like he might know where a wizard would be. Yeah, you know, when he left the Midlands because he was tired of magic. Hmm, wonder. Again, I don't think Richard knew that. I think he did. I, I read this book quite a lot. In, in one go so some things got kind of hazy for me but i don't think he's, richard knew anything about zed anyway dude the fucking it's so obvious that zed is the goddamn wizard yeah zed like, who is like, richard's Jesus friend who Christ. is like his foster grandfather or something yeah. like that is sort of been like teaching him how to look at clouds or something the whole time by the way i was picturing old man yells at cloud <laughs> from the simpsons <laughs> yeah that apparently that's headline. really what zed does is like kind of stands on a rock and like looks at clouds and yells at him or something yeah for a it's while. Pretty, oh and he's also naked while he does it yeah it's he better, to get magic little, is better when you're naked that's something you learn from i this can book. get down with that yeah i can get down I, with that <laughs> i guess uh anyway so richard brings colin over to zed and they you know he reveals pretty quickly he's like oh yeah by the way i'm that wizard that she was looking well because remember they both look at each other and they initially like want to kill you they get they give each other like death glares yeah. but then i forget they say something they bond over about quads murdering people i think yeah that's yeah Richard figures that that Zed is the wizard out because Colin had mentioned that a quad killed this old wizard's family. Yeah. And he mentioned the quad that had gone after Colin and Zed got a weird look on his face and that and was an, and then hugged Colin instantly. Yeah, that was a weird enough look for Richard to figure out like, oh, yeah. you must be the wizard, I guess, even though nothing else about his super weird friend's past tipped him off about this. Oh, and surprise, Richard's really good at figuring out the truth because he's special too. Well, yeah, well, the, here's the thing after um they meet up with Zed for a second. He decides to name Richard the Seeker, which is apparently a sort of powerful office of some sort that you have a, a fancy sword with the word truth uh, sort of written on the hilt or something. Yep. 
Uh, the whole time this was going on, I was imagining. I don't know if you've ever watched the Dave Chappelle show a whole lot, but have you? No. Okay, well then you want to say I was imagining like this Rick James style sort of indent that he could punch onto people's faces that would say truth <laughs> backwards. <laughs> you really wish. need to watch that at some point if I you wish. haven't, because uh, I'm sure everyone else in the audience here gets that joke. But sorry. So yeah. Anyway, he gives uh, Richard the sword. He's like, "Oh, by the way, you, uh, you're clearly the seeker now. Apparently, wizards just know the seeker." Well, they don't. That's the thing. They have to. It's it's weird. Like they they are pretty sure that a person would be a good seeker until but unless not. he's not. It's like yeah. one of those things. Where it's like, well, I I thought, but if you're not, I guess you weren't, and I was wrong. But doesn't matter because. It- but but the thing is, like, he's been grooming Richard his whole life because he always thought he was a seeker, which we find out later. Um, oh, I didn't realize that part. I thought he yeah. was just fostering Richard because. Did you actually finish the book? Yeah, I did, but like oh, okay. I thought he was just—he just was fostering Richard because he w- went through all this crap and he wanted to take care of him, not necessarily because he was grooming him to be a seeker. No, but that's that's one of the things. I mean, plus there's the other reason, but we'll get to that way later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he always said he said a couple of times like, "Yeah, I always thought when you were growing up, like you know that it was going to be you. I didn't want it to be you because I didn't want to put you in danger because." You know, you mean a lot to me. You're like a grandson to me or whatever. So, yeah, let's explain, I guess, what the Seeker is supposed to be. Basically, you have the magic sword of truth, which grants you some sort of rage powers. Yeah. you. It um, channels your anger yeah. into, like, this sword being really good. Like, it can, go, it can cut through pretty much anything with ease. Like, right. chain mail, bones, trees, not yeah. a problem if you're angry enough. If you're convinced enough in the truth of your attack, let's say. Yeah. It'll go through whatever. So you're like a Sith, kind of. What? Right? What? Isn't that how, isn't that how like... No, what? Yeah. Isn't... Have you watched Star Wars? Yes, I have. I don't... Don't no. they use their anger to fuel their the, their side of the force? Yeah, but that doesn't really make it... Like, it's not just anger. Let's not go into the it's whole Star similar Wars. similar enough. Well, there's other Star Wars parallels Yeah, here. there's plenty of Star Wars parallels. Yeah. And that's not... There, actually, there's a, there are creatures in this book called Mord Sith. Yeah, which... which like, come yeah, on yeah. and darken. Raw sounds a little bit like Darth whatever. Yeah, Darth Maul, even. It's... Even though this book came out way before then. And there's some I am your father type shit happening later. <laughs> yeah. I literally thought that the I am your father scene was about to happen. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Search your feelings. Yeah. You know it to be true. <laughs> no, I was waiting for that too. After all the other parallels, I was like, oh man, this is they're going to be like dangling over a cliff. There's going to be a lost hand. Yeah. Like, something's well, gonna back to what the seeker is. I, just magical sword channeling rage powers. Yeah. Um, if you're not convinced of your ver- like the veracity of your intent to kill, it won't let you. It'll like stop your hand an inch yep. away from something or like that. There mu- there's some other stuff in general, like just the seeker is like just really good at finding the truth out, or yeah. he just happens to have really good instincts towards going the right path. Yep. Which is kind of a thing in this book, in that almost everything is resolved in a coincidental way. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous to the point where... It's forgivable because... No, it's not forgivable. Well, not uh, somewhat forgivable because of the way the Seeker is explained, I would say, just because that is the nature of the Seeker. But that does not only apply to Richard. There's a whole lot of other stuff where just people are in the exact right place at the exact right time for dramatic effect, and it is pretty dramatic most of the time. It did have me gripped. This is is why we're reading of Terrible Book Club, I guess, is just to talk about these things and how they become so conventional in fantasy novels. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It was just a lot of things were just way too... Actually, everything was way too convenient. Everything is too convenient. And, the, like, I'm not saying the story wasn't a good story, 
but god damn yeah, this so is kind of the point like, i wanted to argue with you is uh sort of does the derivative nature of a piece of work necessarily make it bad or terrible in, in our case because you can tell a good story with familiar parts yeah and this has a lot of familiar parts too many familiar it's parts. basically the hero's journey as you you know, there's the wise old wizard in Zed, of course, yep. the female lead who isn't really a damsel in distress. Kalan is more than capable of handling herself in right. quite a bit of situations. The the hero that doesn't really want it comes from humble beginnings, but mm-hmm. finds out he's special and destined. Yeah. Then again, kind of everyone is special and destined yeah. in a way. Everyone's re- everyone's except maybe about Chase, who is just straight up a badass that just he he just really is good at fighting, I guess. But even then, he is. Everyone is super good. Yeah, at whatever their station is, right? Like, yeah, yeah Chase isn't prophesized or anything, but he's like the best boundary warden ever. Badass you know? character, actually. I kind of enjoyed his character a whole lot. Of course you did. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> of course you did. Okay. Well, and so yeah, Zed names Richard the Seeker. Yeah. And they, uh, Kalan tells him that she is trying to stop Dark and Rawl from obtaining the three boxes of Ordin. Yep. Which um, it's sort of like this magical puzzle box thing where you have to get all three and then open them at a certain on a certain day, the first day of winter, and you have to pick the right one to become Lord of all magic or something because they're yeah. like they're sort of like these, uh, I guess, crucibles of all the magic in the in the world or something like that. They're, yeah, it's almost like they're they're not really the source, but they can control. Like they give you yeah. lots of power. Or some, I'm not exactly sure how the bo- boxes of Orden worked, and that's another thing with yeah. this book is that magic. Whenever you're dealing, whenever you're writing fantasy, I assume one of the things you have to deal with right out of the gate is how does how do fantastical things work? How does magic work? Yeah, is there a limit on it or something? Because what happens a lot in this book is that it'll be like, oh, we're in this situation. By the way, I have the spell. Yeah, I. That's or the thing. Or I... There needs to be a spell to like cause a dramatic encounter or a conflict so this one guy has one spell that fits really well or someone else has like the exact counter spell or someone just left something out until the very end and just didn't tell anybody yeah i i think that was a major problem i had with the book is that it felt like every magical thing was just being pulled out of terry's ass as he was writing instead of you know instead of creating the magical world and then using it in the story he was just go you know coming up with There's it as he went and it was rules, like ah. but i never ever felt like i had a clear grasp on how no. magic works or even though he yeah. tries to describe this difference between additive and subtractive magic or whatever which is yeah. really loose and wobbly for me to begin yeah, with it's it like is. additive magic is stuff where you it's good magic you just not, it's not that it's good, it's just that you add more on to something instead of taking it away, and subtractive magic is somehow harder. But it's also linked to the underworld. It's like, if you hone a blade down, that's not subtractive magic, it's additive magic, because you're just working with what's already exactly. there, or something like yep. that. Zed can do all these kind of weird feats, like he can grow his beard out instantly, he can like cause pain at a touch, he has fire from his hands. Yeah, wizard fire. He has all sorts of random shit where like you don't really ever have like a, a solid bearing on what his abilities are. I'm going to spoil something for you that I read later in the series. Zed has like some straight up nuke spells. 
Huh. He was straight like there's some spell later in the series that he sets off that murders like uh, an army that's six hundred thousand strong or something like that. Just well, then uh, why the fuck did them. he use that on the people's palace? Then I don't know. I'm sure oh, in, in the later Christ. books. This is what I mean. This is what I mean. I'm sure in the later books there's like he ha- there's a limit on it or something. There's always there's at least like some kind of limitations you on these on these magic spells or something. But then there'll be a loophole again. Well, like we okay, oh that's right. We didn't even talk about Colin. So Colin is a Let, confessor yeah let's not hide this m- um, much because it, she's which, hiding it from richard for most of the novel but she's something called a confessor she's actually the mother confessor so you know the head of this sort of all-female small group it's only like less than 10 women ever i think like they pass it down yeah it's from um, mother to daughter but yeah. it's these women that at a touch can make you totally devoted to them to the point where like your existing personality has been completely erased and all you care about is serving your mistress here. Right, which the sounds, confessor. Which I guess sounds a little weird and like BDSM, but it's actually not. Um, the BDSM comes yeah. way later. Yeah, there's a hundred pages that's, of that. That's the Mord Sith, basically. Yeah. They're the BDSM yeah. ladies. Um but I actually thought the idea of the confessor was really cool because That's original. Um, that's a yeah. new thing. No, I liked it because it was it was interesting. It was like these wizards, you know, eons go or whatever, made this group of women, um, able to kind of pass this ability down genetically through their daughters and so well actually they can pass it to sons as well but they always murder the sons yeah dudes just want to fuck all the time and use their power to just create a harem and it causes some problems apparently. yeah i guess well that's but an, women honestly, you see though, can like hold it back yeah, a little see, more because I didn't like that part see i had an issue with this because it sets those traditional gender stereotypes where Oh, women can handle the power because they're empathetic all the time and they'll always be good at it. And I've, men are always fucking rapey and evil. Like, that's not well, really I mean, true. No, that, that's not for all men. It's all male confessors. Well, not, even not all male confessors. They said there's some that are totally fine or whatever. No, are. but they've never had a successful male confessor. That's why they murder all the male babies born to yeah. confessors. I, I thought that, that there was some that used to be okay, but then it was just too high of a chance to take because there was that whole like thing where a bunch of them went wild and everybody was under their spell for quite a bit because yeah. the male confessors don't have to recharge no no they do i thought they didn't i thought that was why they could just keep, no, keep doing no, it no oh. they could they still did yeah, the, the female confessors do definitely have to recharge yeah and the recharge so they can touch one person and that person becomes totally devoted to them but there's a, a cooling down period a refractory period let's say yeah usually <laughs> it takes usually it takes a couple days just, oh, or i'm a fucking week. tired after that baby just let me turn around and go yeah, to sleep yeah. it's fine just just wake me up later we'll go again but no so usually it only t- it takes a couple days maybe a week um but for colin it only takes her two hours sometimes less she's real she's ready to go real quick if you want yep <laughs> yep just just keep making that joke chris um so i anyway I thought the idea of this person in in this high, and confessors are um, basically confessors and seekers and wizards. They're, Those three are all like very linked together. It's a way the wizards established the confessors and seekers in order to root out political corruption. Yes, because the confessors, because you're sort of, sort of devoted to them, they'll be totally honest with you. Sometimes, like if you're a criminal and you're convinced that you're innocent, you'd rather spend your years in servitude to a confessor after they touch you, because everyone knows you're telling the truth. If a confessor yeah. touches you, that's sort of one of the, like the horrifying aspects of some of this stuff, which was kind of neat or whatever. And so wizards would use this to sort of root out political corruption but what i liked is that the wizard seekers and confessors are sort of a rule unto themselves and they're you know every other queen king political official everyone else is subject 
to their um, scrutiny. Scrutiny, yeah. So you know they can waltz in wherever they please and just be like, "Yo, sup, bitch? Yeah. The confessor up in here." Yeah, basically. And the mother confessor um, is particularly powerful, but of course, you know, because they have this this gift, um, they can't really have normal human relationships. Because how could you have a husband if your touch erases his personality and turns him into well like, the, the touch isn't like an instant thing it's like sort of they have yeah. they have to consciously hold it back and sort of the thing that's pretty much spelled out is that like hey while you're doing it you're not going to be able to hold it back because you yeah. know what happens when it gets real good right yeah. basically it would be an orgasm of yeah, of just taking over someone else's Like, I don't know, you come so hard that, like, the person you're having <laughs> sex with literally becomes devoted to you. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. That's a powerful orgasm. <laughs> yeah, that's a scary orgasm. I mean... Would it be, or would it be the greatest orgasm? No, it'd be scary. Uh, um, maybe for you, but... Oh, okay, so you want to... I don't know what I'm saying. I'm See, trying this to is why it. you can't be a confessor, Chris. Fucking male confessors. Yep, clearly, I, I wouldn't <laughs> be able to control myself. Um... Anyway, so because being a confessor sort of alienates you from normal human relationships, people fear them. Um, oh, that's right. And confessors do eventually have to take a mate because they have to continue their line. But it's um, sort of but it's like awful because they can pick any male in any society at will, even if they're married. It's just like, nope, it's you. We're going to make this baby. and that. It, for- but it sucks because they're just a shell, you yeah. know. So it, it's really shitty for confessors because they can't really ever fall in love. Um, and they if they fall in love, but they can't have a moment of inti- intimacy attached to it. Exactly. Which, you know, depending, I've seen some relationships that aren't physically intimate, but could be definitely called love. I, yeah, I but but I'm saying they can't have a typical romantic relationship wherein there is sexual intimacy. And yeah. that sucks. It um, does. It very much does. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's So that. that's confessors. Yeah. Uh, we explain seekers. Wizards are like pretty self-explanatory in this in this book. They're yeah, just, they're pretty traditional wizards. They just have magic powers. Again, it's never really clearly explained. It's just whenever there's a need for the, some spell, Zed usually has an appropriate thing. Or if he does, you know, depending on what's dramatic is essentially sort of the name of the game here, which is sort of the broader problem, again, with fantasy novels in general, is if you don't clearly lay out these rules, it's sort of like you, you can never really know when they're totally in danger or not, even though I felt like the characters were in danger at some points. But, spoiler, most of the main character, all of the main characters, yeah, fine by the end. Yeah, There's no major, major deaths or anything. Let's take the moment. Which here, I also hate. Yeah, to but... mention, because I became very emotionally attached <laughs> to one character in yep. this book. She's introduced about 400 pages in. Um, not like necessarily a major player. She is a major player. Uh, and she's a tool, as you put, of another character in the thing. But uh, she—it's—it's it's this little girl. She's adorable. She's just this tiny little girl that's the playmate of a princess in a castle that treats her very badly. As soon as this character is introduced, yeah, it's like she's slapped too... across the face. Yeah. The problem I had was because that this little girl was adorable in literally every way. And she shared a name, a first name, with a very good mutual friend of ours. Right. And I, was... and the funny thing is, I also thought of the character as the same person. Yeah. And... This character's <laughs> name is Rachel, by the way. Yep. And uh, currently, this Rachel that we know has a Facebook picture that's a drawing that someone made of her. That is also very adorable. So the whole time I was yeah. reading this book, I saw this like adorable version of her. 
just getting slapped around and it made me so sad. And every time she was in danger, she didn't even have any shoes for half of the book. <laughs> and then she was scared of crying all the time. She like chews on the hem of her dress and like on the foot yep. of her doll that the wizard gave her that tells her it loves her until the wizard dies. <laughs> Chris, and my heart shit, melted, no, Paris. <laughs> it melted. I can't. I could not. I had so much anxiety. <laughs> I couldn't take it whenever uh, she was in any danger. I wanted to fly into the book and just <laughs> hug her. You wanted to put your wizard hat and robe on? And uh, fly no, in. no. It was a little small girl that I just wanted to protect from any sort of fear. But it was, it was probably the most emotionally invested <laughs> I've been in a character because she just deserved nothing bad to happen to yeah. her. And she mostly got away unscathed, although I did not like with the princess that treated her very badly. That's okay. That princess got her shit served to her. Yeah. So um, no later worries. in this book, this princess gets her jaw uh, like removed basically by a good <laughs> kick to the the bottom of her chin. She's only about like a ten year old oh, girl or something too. Beautiful but she when it fucking happens. deserves it. You kidding me? You do not slap around another little girl. Dude, for... I could picture that in my mind. I was like, that's the most beautiful. One thing of the most I've delicious read. moments in the entire yeah. book was when it was actually Richard that did it. Mm-hmm. That just kicked this little girl square in the jaw. <laughs> Severed her fucking tongue. Don't worry, great. she deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I might Dear sound audience. like. Yeah, I mean, I might sound like a monster, but seriously, um, no, it was. It, I relished that moment. Yeah, me, okay, funny. good. I'm glad we both did. So, so yeah, this is a character that comes in later, much later in the things when the characters are because uh, eventually, Kalan, Richard, and Zed leave on their journey to get to the Midlands to find the box, one of the three boxes of Orden mm-hmm. that Dark and Rawl does not have. Right. To prevent him from getting it on the first day of winter so he can't uh, take control of everything i think there were there were three results basically you can open three boxes and so it's this sort of like game show game of chance that dark and raw has yeah, it's a pretty serious game of chance man like, yeah if you open one box you get power over all magic and living things basically you can think people dead if you yes, just feel exactly. like it just absolute dominion over everything the second box instantly kills the person who opened it so who has yep. ever performed the ritual and the third box just erases everything yeah, it so it's basically a two and three shot of just pure shit for everybody, <laughs> yep. and then a one and three shot of him getting fucked and like it all being for nothing for him. Let's take this moment to discuss Dark and Raw here. Oh yeah, um, basically the most cartoonishly evil, over the top character. Yeah, if you didn't like Joffrey Baratheon in Game of Thrones, yeah, this guy's nothing worse. in comparison to Dark and Raw here, who has like there's zero redeeming qualities about him. There's nothing to. I don't know. There's no point I've, of light within I him. Like him a little bit i don't like do you like him as a character i'm saying that he's he's unequivocally evil yeah but there's I really, no room for you to I say i really liked his desire to know all things and his all the effort he put into learning all the magic that he did that was really his only redeeming quality i guess but like and that he can his put, character he can he can put what he thinks is the greater good before but his I don't even interests. really believe like his greater motivation. Like, he just wanted power for the sake of being powerful over everything. I don't believe because he his got dad, like though. he got maimed when Zed burned his dad penis rail <laughs> alive, <laughs> yeah. and he uh, got burnt a little bit too, and he had to go through some traumatic shit because yeah. wizard fire doesn't heal very well. Yeah, which is why. But he- I don't think that's like super believable for him yeah. to just be totally, completely fucking off the yeah, wall. Yeah, he's evil. Pre- he's pretty off. This he's dude pretty, yeah. uh, feeds a child molten lead through a feeding horn in order to cut him up mash his brain heart and testicles into a paste that he eats <laughs> yep. in order to somehow conjure a spirit guide demon version of the child yes. to take him through the boundary by going through the underworld correct by the way a lot of ball sack eaten yeah, in this book there's yeah. at least two instances of people's ball sacks <laughs> getting eaten 
true. Which... So if you're into that, read this book, man. <laughs> well, honestly, I and like, but his whole cadre is all just like super evil. There's yep. like his pedophile right hand man. Yeah, there's a lot of rape in this book. It's weird because it doesn't really make an appearance until like well into halfway through the book. Well, no, when you first meet uh, Demis, what what's his name? Demon Nos. Demon Nos or whatever. I keep saying I want to say Dennis. From, like, <laughs> Dennis. It's always sunny or something. But <laughs> Demon Nos is like his pedophile right hand that likes to have his way with boys or something. Mm-hmm. We, meanwhile, Dark and Raw just likes to sacrifice and eviscerate them. Well, he doesn't need to do it a lot, only when he needs a spirit guide to the underworld. I, oh, yeah, his redeeming quality. He doesn't have to do it all the time. It's, it's and, okay. and he doesn't actually enjoy it because he's a vegetarian, right? Oh, yeah. So evil people are all vegetarians. Yeah, so says. I guess I'm fucking evil made flesh over yeah, here. Unless uh, you have to, you know, chew someone's testicles to get through the underworld. You're not going to do it, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. No. But, but he, I, he I loves like raping he's women. So he loves raping women. Remember, he rapes Denna to the point of uh, that's being what I barren. mean. Like it's like, like what? it's so yeah. over the top that it's almost just plain unbelievable. I I suppose there's room for characters like these, and especially in fantasy novels where there's always like the dark lord of everything who you know is just unequivocally evil and no bones about it, just pure black and stuff. But like it's not as interesting if they don't have sort of a believable backup story for it. Yeah, I mean... And, but, and his whole cadre is not just him, his, his right-hand pedophile dude, yeah. all his, like, it, the execution Sith. people, the Mord Sith, who are just people that have been raped and tortured for years and years and years and put through all kinds of unhuman pain and stuff like that. Just so they can serve Lord Rawl and yeah. protect him. I can understand other people being subjugated by him because he can command pain at a whim and he has this Mord Sith at his right hand and all this powerful magic and stuff like that, so... Yeah. People have to follow him, but there's just so many people around him that are just totally black evil, no white or gray area at all. And that's not as compelling, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, – and same for the, the characters on the good side. You know, none of them have any bad qualities. Even though Zed has a discussion with Richard at the very beginning before they set off on their yep. journey that, oh, it seems right from your angle because you're at your perspective. Like everyone else thinks that they're absolutely right. Even though in the context of the larger book, you're like, no fucking way. There's no- That's the thing. Yeah. At the beginning, it tries to bring up this conversation about moral relativity. And I thought that and was good. there's no room for that, though. Right. But in there's this book. There's absolutely no room yeah, for that. Yeah, no. I mean, when you're <laughs> – it's really hard to see moral relativity when your only choices yeah, are d- a peaceful world or a world where little boys are constantly raped and women are raped. Yeah, and Dark and Raw, everyone is, he's is talking miserable. about, oh, it's for the common good. I'm going to lead people into – but there's no – he doesn't care a, a whit about any of that. He just no. wants to rule for the sake of ruling. Yeah. I would believe it if he like really thought, no, I can lead the world into prosperity through these, but that's never a thing But no, him. he lies to people at every turn just for his own personal gain. There's – like you're saying, it's kind of – comically evil because there's no believable aspect to it. But here, let's get into this. Is this appropriate for this style of genre fiction? Because fantasy novels are a type of genre fiction that have to stick to a certain thing to get its audience, I suppose. No, I don't think it has to. It doesn't have to, but it you definitely... People like familiarity in a certain way. You have to have a couple of touchstones that people. Yeah, but this is like all, this is like every touchstone yeah, ever in this book. Here's our major problem with the book, I, I guess, is that the main discussion that we were having is what's the value of originality versus a sort of keeping an audience with what they want. It isn't necessarily a terrible book if it remixes certain well-known themes and tropes. I just don't think it remixes it well enough. I mean, I think there are some original aspects to the book, but mostly it's just in that 
puddle of mediocrity that's sort of like consuming the fantasy genre i feel like oh yeah there's plenty of fantasy books if you want sword and sorcery shit there's all the drizzet duerden series yeah, right. forgotten realm stuff uh our friend who recommended this series to us uh excuse me described that there was a lot of stuff that terry goodkind lifted from wheel of time yeah i've never read another wheel well-known of time. i haven't read it either that's kind of why i was hoping he was going to be a guest on this yeah. so he could explain to us or something like well that. there's other stuff like like we were talking about all the star wars parallels but then there's samuel can we talk about samuel yeah, samuel is um. the uh sort of uh slave uh, companion to a woods witch that they encounter later named Shota, who just kind of pushes them in the right direction. It's kind of a side piece. It's yeah, not really important it's a really story. dumb fucking... There's a lot yeah. of side trackings here that, like, no, they just kind of in on the path to Dark and Raw, where each one port part you don't have to have, but in the larger context of the story, I suppose, built it up enough. Yeah. And so, anyway, Samuel is the companion of this woods witch who turned out to be the former Seeker, apparently. Yeah, and apparently that happens to all the Seekers. Yeah, and Zed's just like, like, it probably won't happen to you, Richard. Don't worry about it. Probably won't. Yeah, you we'll turn you out. turn into like a lizard thrall to a woods. You turn witch. to Gollum. You turn to Gollum. Yeah, Samuel's Gollum. Gollum. He even says, "Mine, give me to yeah. his sword." Like it's his precious. Like it's, yeah, it's fucking, fucking Gollum, dude. Uh, that was so annoying to me. I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" There's a lot of stuff in here that really is kind of lifted. Oh yeah, from... let's let's get to the talking wolves and talking dragons because that's in here too, guys. It's all in here. Well, yeah, you know the magic sword that's you know can has magic properties and everything. That's a touchstone of, of fantasy literature, to be right. sure. And you know what? You know what? I just want to say this. First of all, we're both nerds. We play D and D. We yes. read fantasy novels. I'm your dungeon but, master, in fact. Paris. Yeah, you are. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um. So it's not like we're just sitting here shitting on the fantasy genre. I love fantasy stuff. In fact, I, too, I, I but... really enjoy a lot of sort of the normal cultural touchstones that are present in modern fantasy literature. Yeah, but I guess that's why we're arguing for the fact that maybe people shouldn't think about stuff like this book as the be-all and end-all. Like, we love the genre so much, we want it to evolve. We want it to change a little bit. I don't think we anyone want... really ever thought Sword of, Sword of Truth was, like, super amazing, the best or anything. Well, everyone I talked to, because I was like, oh, I'm reading this for, you know, my podcast or whatever, and people were like, oh, I fucking love that series. It's so good. It's so good. And I was like, uh, it was, But okay. here's, here, again, here's the argument we were having. I enjoyed reading this book. So did I. So but it did annoy is it me really a problem, though? It, if well, we had an entertaining time, if, if we had problem. a good time reading it and, and we wanted to keep going to the point where I read this book in the space of about two days. Yeah, I mean, I read it in, what, like five? I think I crunched it in five. Is it a problem if, if... Well, I already... Here's me. Here's my thing. Um, I think it's a problem in a way because if you constantly read the same types of fantasy novels where all these hallmarks are present, you know, like Love at First Sight and Everyone's Special. Well, Love and at First Sight is broader than the fantasy. It, well, thing. I know, and we've already discussed yeah, that. Yeah, we don't but... need to go over how much we hate Love at First Sight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but, you know, as much as people read these books, they're like, oh, they're a distraction from my real life. It's a fantasy. It's not reality. It does enter your mind subconsciously or consciously, and you start to expect these things in real life. And I think that is the danger of. These... I definitely expect to be able to magically grow my beard at will at some point. That would <laughs> no, be amazing. No, you expect, even though I get told many times that I should leave it short. <laughs> yeah, pl- please don't grow your beard out. Um, well, that's up to you, man. You can grow your beard out. Do no, you want, no, but... there's uh, people that prefer it shorter. Yeah, but... yeah, that's true. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta worry about that, lady. Um, yeah. But. You know, you start to expect um, these human relationships to form in your own life. 
and and I know that might sound a little crazy, but that's what happens. You know, you, I can you, agree. Like, if you consume enough culture, you do get sort of expectant of a certain type of yeah, relationship. Because then, then you know, you start you start waiting for your Richard Cipher or your Colin Amnall, and you always think that as long as you do what you know to be right the world will be fine and your friends won't die and good will always conquer evil. And yeah. I think that's a really bad thing. It doesn't necessarily work out that way all yeah. the time. Although there was a long enough period that elapsed in this book for, I think for Richard and Colin to like sort of legitimately fall in love yeah. over their trials and tribulations and stuff like that. Although once again, as soon as Richard sees her, it's a little more toned down than in like marked or like even the Overton window. Where right. It was just <laughs> yeah. like, Oh my God, it was definitely, I, I knew from the, that second that it yeah, was destiny yeah. that we're together. But, and you know, my <laughs> thing about relationships where it's work and sacrifice, yeah, it's never, it's, it it's something that builds over time. You and I are not good friends because we instantly clicked. It's because we've spent time together and built up all experiences that we share together. And that's the foundation that a good relationship is built on. Right. Whether, whether romantic or, or platonic, I mean, exactly. I yeah. people that I'm fall in love with romantically. Um, it's I can never point to one thing that's like that's the exact moment right. that I found. I can point to moments where I certainly felt it was building or contributed to it or something yeah. like that. But there's never a moment where I was like, oh yes, in love now. Oh, it's, and it's also the broader palette of the person. Not to mention, I can think of plenty of times where I've met a guy and been like, oh man, this guy's great. But then a day later, it turns out to be a dick. You know what I mean? Like there i think there's just interest at first sight and people mistake that for love at first sight it's a powerful feeling it is a powerful feeling when you're like oh that person's really attractive they're really interesting like they like a lot of the same things i like story to tell when you if you do end up together later and you'd be like oh i knew from the beginning because but no that's just like your boner like yeah (laughs) yeah it's just it's a physical reaction there's nothing wrong with that it just be let's be honest about it that right there's nothing wrong with it but you have to be smart enough to know what it is and not call it what it's not although i think in this book the relationship is handled fairly well even though there is some love at first sight things happening right no no no. and and that's what i'm saying i really like they're fairly communicative even though they keep secrets from each other for most of the book richard doesn't tell her that he is the keeper of the book of counted shadows oh yeah we didn't head. bring that up that's right let's talk about that a little bit yeah, well in a second but like you know colin keeps that she's a confessor and everything but their relationship is mostly built through communication yeah. and trying to be honest with each other there's even a scene later where sort of colin abuses his trust when they're with the mud people oh, and yeah. she just lets him apparently they're cannibals and uh only of their enemies that they've slaughtered and yeah, that's how you gain power. Eating the flesh of your enemies. To, they, Chris, do you not eat the flesh of your enemies? Well, I mean, I've thought of... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. But there's a ritual that they they have to go through to become mud people because they want to become mud people to get in the guidance of these people. By the way, mud people, I have a problem with oh, that name. Yeah. Once again, here's your native yep. peoples that are mystical and tribal and what have you that yep. you have a problem Fetishized with. Fetishized mystical people, yep. You know, they live all by themselves and they have their fucking ayahuasca trip things, spirit walks, vision things that Richard and Colin go through. And Colin abuses his trust at one point because he's she's the translator that understands the mud people's language, and she doesn't let him know that if you're to become a mud person, you have to like take a bride from one of the mud people yep, and eat some flesh. Eat some flesh with the things. He he's kind of cool with that. He eventually tricks and gets his way out of having to have sex with like the niece of the. Oh, that's elder. yeah. That's the other thing. Like, I think it's hilarious that he does all that to get out of having sex with this lady but then gets stuck in a sex dungeon for like weeks later on yeah the, there's never like any overt sex scenes in this book i think that, oh but he fucks denna 
Jenna makes him. Oh fuck her yeah, no, yeah, no. There, there, there's sex that happens in this book, but yeah. it's like the, the mercifully, lead, it is not the written lead about. up to the sex is described very often. There was even an encounter that Richard and Colin had almost where it was sort of this dramatic point because you're like, oh no, she's gonna have her like mind rape orgasm and take <laughs> yeah. over him or something. Yeah. And there was like a little bit of apple juice kind of thing. Uh, uh, a lot yeah. of fingers and mouths and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's you don't like gross. that? That's no. not for you. That's not no. for, okay. Well, okay. You know, different. I'm not gonna. Different apples for different folks, I suppose. Dude, if I'm going to fuck you, I'm not going to, like, put my fingers in apple juice and put it in your mouth. That's well, no, they weird. had they were eating the apple, and they got kind of weird about eating the apple. <laughs> yeah. She was, like, shoving it in his mouth. <laughs> just right. being like, eat the, fuck, yeah, it's... eat the apple, eat it. You know what that's meant? Yeah, it's like, oh, It was on. a very Adam and Eve, like, forbidden fruit thing that they had happening, and she, like, just, she, like, starts putting her fingers in his mouth instead yeah, of the apple. Gross. like, <laughs> Laugh. I don't know, man. I can understand. Like, no. I've never shoved an apple in someone's <laughs> face like that, but I can understand getting kind of heated about weird stuff. I suppose. Uh, I don't, yeah, I guess we all have our weird kinks or whatever. But I guess uh, fruit in the mouth isn't, isn't mine. A weird kink. Fruit isn't mine. I'm not. It's not a fruit. kink. It's just you not know stuff fucker. got hot in, in the moment. They use the it's spontaneous. Dude, things don't get hot eating an apple. Like that's just not when things get hot. Okay. <laughs> well, it's the broader thing. Like you know, they had this tension building up, and they were alone together with the apple it, in the spirit house. That poor apple was just in the wrong place. Richard wrong was time. shirtless at the time. <laughs> yeah. Right, for no reason. So eat the apple. Oh, God. Yeah, eat it. Oh, God, that's so creepy. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sorry you can't have fun, Paris, apparently. <laughs> Try it next time. Just start, you know. I'm not bringing apples into the bedroom. It, it doesn't have to be an apple. It could be crab meat or I, I don't carrots. Eat crabs. Or whatever you want. Your, your fucking kale chips that you make. <laughs> I'm not your weird coconut shit. curry oil. Conco- I don't know whatever you make in those fucking pans over there, man. Whatever you want to just dump the pan over someone and get busy. I don't know why this is so funny. Sorry, everyone. We just talked about food sex for like ten minutes. That's there. fine, but yeah. So uh, there's a lot of that, and the, the sex is built up to. They don't. Uh, they don't end up having sex. They stop at the last. He friend zones her at the last second. Actually, wait, does he? Yeah, he at the very last second, like before, he's like, oh, we'll just. Just we'll just be as friends for now, and she like so just well just hold me tonight then. And no, 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 he she's like oh shit, I'm almost doing this thing, and then she stops. No, he she's like begging for it, and he wants her to tell her what a confessor is. Remember? Oh yeah. And he's like, I'll only give it to you if you tell me what a confessor is, hon. And she's like, Oh, I can't tell you, so I'm just gonna cry about it. And then he's like, Oh, well, then we'll just be friends. Uh, so she gets fucking friend zone, right? No, I don't think. First of all, I no, hate, he totally I hate... wanted it to. He was just, he was just, he had the power of the dick at that point. Yeah, the power of the dick. And so he was trying to get what a confessor was out of her, and she was like, I'm still not gonna tell you. And then that's how she realizes she's about to mess up. Oh, right. And then they just hold each other. Instead. Yeah, there's a whole lot of them crying and holding each other, like a little too much. People hold each other a whole lot. It's a very touchy-feely... Oh, uh, did you notice everyone pokes each other in the chest all the time at the beginning of the book? Yeah. You know, it's so just a very weird. demanding just, sort of thing. Yeah, no. there's, there's a lot of touchy... People hug each other. Like, Kalan will, like, sort of allow herself to be hugged by a mud people that she... she they know her well enough to be friends, yeah. but she... People get hugs a lot in this book, and it's kind of necessary. I can believe it, you know. No, I, I know. I mean, they are going through some rough shit. Like, if, you know, if I were in their place, I'd, I might have cried a couple times. But just a lot of crying and holding. 
Yeah, the water, you know, it's just soft, gentle, like, it's okay, it'll be okay. Yeah, that, that a lot. Which is what I wanted to do to that little girl character named Rachel, who I just wanted to be, it's going to be okay. No one will take your doll away. You know, I'll give you shoes, just please. Oh, dude, when that it's, doll dies. That doll doesn't die. She, it's fine at the end of the book. She, Paris is lying to you, people. The doll is fine. Well, not the doll, but you know what I mean. The, the mechanism by which it The doll is, because Rachel is being used to spirit a box of Orden that Dark and Raw is coming to pick up from Queen Milena, who rules this country. Tamarang. Tamarang. Uh, Princess Violet, who we mentioned earlier, is her daughter. And Rachel is sort of her playmate that is just at her whim to be slapped around. Yep. And this, uh, this wizard that sort of sold his services to the queen... To, but he was really just a double agent trying to protect the box. Yeah. He decides the only way he can get the box out is by using Rachel. And he sort of gives her this doll to communicate her th- to her with. Because sometimes... Right, he's not around. It's like a cell phone. Sometimes Rachel it's gets kicked phone. out of the castle by Violet whenever she does something bad. Yeah. To, and she Rachel has a secret spot that she actually likes. So she actually likes getting kicked out of the castle. I kind of mm-hmm. like... She's a spunky little girl. She's smart. She is a smart, spunky little girl who is very brave and uh, like I said, just so adorable. I, I, I didn't want anything bad to happen <laughs> to her the whole time. And so Giller sort of like gives her this box encased in a loaf of bread, actually, yeah. funnily enough. Pretty brilliant. That she becomes very protective of. And um, he, he uses Rachel to spirit the box away from the castle where Dark and Raw is headed towards. Yeah. But that that's kind of a side. Rachel's sort of subplot was uh, no. I mean that's that's a main that's a main plot point. Um, but yeah. she doesn't come in until halfway through. Yeah, it's like page four hundred out of eight hundred. Literally, the yeah. halfway point is where you meet Rachel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she gets the box of Warden out. I guess that's a fine place to pick up the plot. Um, yeah, because it, the other stuff was just them traveling through. They get separated from uh, Zed and Chase when <laughs> oh, and Zed just shows up. They get well. They get attacked at the boundary when they're going through from the yeah. Westland to the Midlands. Yeah, there was like some weird shadow tentacle rape happening there. Uh, yeah, they got attacked by a beast. Richard can like kill them with his sword of truth. Oh, yeah, heart hounds. Those are scary. Yeah, Zed and Chase are knocked unconscious. They have to bring them to this uh, witch woman, Adi, a bone woman, rather. Yeah, Adi. Bone woman, different from the uh, witch woman. Yeah, later. I don't fucking know the difference. Yeah. And so, the, but they have to remain unconscious to like heal for a couple of days. So Zed, um, not Zed, Richard and Kalan have to go on on their own into the Midlands. That's where they run into the mud people. They don't have Zed or Chase with them. They, right. They eventually make it to Tamarang. And that's they after meeting the Woods Witch too. There's a couple of things that happen after they get separated from Zed yeah. and Chase. Uh, Zed wakes up before everyone else and just decides he has some other shit to take care of. Even though he gets it on with that bone lady real quick. Yeah, before. There, there's, there's a, a little quick... bit of old people action happening <laughs> yeah. in this one too. No, I like that. I'm glad old people cute. need some too. It was cute. Yo, man, old people have needs. It's I, fine. I, I, I will They're be old too. one day eventually. And I'm, I'm still gonna want to sh- fuck sh- when I'm seventy. I'm, I'm sure. sure. Well, you can't be sure, but I'm pretty sure if I make it that, you yeah, know, well, if I make we'll it to that age. But uh, yeah, so Richard and Kalan go off on their own and they're headed to Tamarang, and that this is sort of where we see uh, Rachel come in and. Yeah, she conveniently uh, meets up with them, or rather, they conveniently find her. There's a whole, there's a couple of chapters of, with the Rachel stuff where she's just getting abused by Princess Violet. Yeah, man, that princess locks her in a box at night and like yeah, for, cuts for her hair crooked. If she's not kicked out of the castle, she's put in the box to sleep. Which, by the way, she then Rachel then locks Princess Violet in the box oh, when she is escaping, which was another moment of deliciousness yep. that I loved. This and then is, she threw the rug over her so she no one could hear her scream. Yeah, this I was is like, yeah. She like sits on the bed to make it sound like she was going to stay there and listen. This is why my, Rachel is my favorite character yeah, in this she's whole super book. Smart. She was my favorite character. 
yeah, that, that princess gets what's coming to her. Thankfully, the one person I want to see get their come up. It's even more than Dark and Raw, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel the same way because Dark and Raw has this reason. She's just a fucking cunt. Like, yeah, it's she's ridiculous. Just, you know, she's the Joffrey. Sorry, I that's, suppose. Just, that's just the word for She's that. the Joffrey yeah, of this she book, is. where she's, she's the just Joffrey. a brat and you hate her for being a brat. Yeah, she actually, that's perfect. She is the Joffrey of this of this book. Yeah. So again, yeah, there's Rachel is spirited or she runs out of the the castle because the guards just kind of know she's the playmate and they Yeah, and she go, she gets sent out of the castle. She, for she being socially bad engineers all the time. her way out of the castle. Yep. Uh, she tricks the guards and she's like, "Do you like they're like, I don't think anyone's supposed to be let out now because uh Dark and Rawl is up in here and he doesn't want he figured out that the box was switched and is fake, so he wants the whole castle to be closed down, but she's like, do you want to be the one that I tell Princess Violet didn't let me out when she told me to let out and she'll probably cut your head off? Yeah, because that's right, because the kid has been given the authority to just decree that people's heads get cut off now, yeah. which is fucking frightening. So Rachel socially engineers her way yeah. out of the castle. And so and they just, just like look at her doll and her bread and they're like, all right, whatevs. She yeah. runs away with that adorable doll that she yep. like sort of Sarah. puts in her mouth sometimes when she's nervous and scared. The same thing she like chews on the yep. edge of her dress when she... Yep. Paris. <laughs> oh, my never, heart is breaking. I've never seen you fall in love with a small child. Well, that's a weird way to put it, but <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean that in a weird way. <laughs> no, just, I know, I'm but saying, I, you know. I was very emotionally. Ta- I didn't want anything bad to because she was a small little girl that was innocent and didn't like yeah. deserve anything bad that happened to her. It was it was a good sort of heartstring pull by Terry on me. Yeah, you know what? And I really like. We, I think we briefly talked about this before the podcast. Um, we try not to talk about the books till the podcast, but sometimes we have to get. Yeah. Some stuff out of the yeah, way. sometimes you know we're walking through the kitchen and it's like, oh, I gotta tell you about yeah. this. And um, I we really enjoyed how Terry wrote the Rachel chapters. He he yeah. did a really good job of um, sort of perfectly executing how the, a child like that would think and she, say things. In her lines, there's a lot of the bestest, nicest man in the world. Yeah. You're mean and like uh, the, the blank that I ever did see. And that doesn't that's not just her dialogue, but that's in like sort of the prose around her and how she's thinking and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. So it's almost. A little bit childish in an effective way. Unlike yeah. Marked, which was like Ugh. supposed to be from the point of view of a teenage girl, which was infuriating, which maybe I suppose is <clears throat> an accurate worldview from a teenage girl. No, I <laughs> no, no. We're not even going to compare the writing styles. Oh, yeah, it's vastly different. Terry but... is uh, way better. So, yeah, Rachel gets away from this castle where Dark and Raw is trying to find the, the third box of Orden so he can do his me- mystical puzzle box opening sequence or whatever. Uh, yeah. And she runs into Richard and Colin at first, and but they don't know who she is. They don't know she has the box, and she's just trying to, like, not get caught and brought back to the castle. So yeah. when they're like, oh, we're going to the castle to meet up with Queen Melina, who's supposed to have the third box so we can keep dark and raw from getting it she gets all upset and no but she, they didn't tell her about the box yeah they didn't tell her about that they just said they're going to see queen melina which she doesn't want to go back to right so of course as soon as she has the chance when they're asleep she runs away which you is know, smart she's a smart little girl yeah. okay and uh, well she did hang out with them for a couple of days which i was like oh that's dumb you're lucky these people are good it was only like one day i think it was like as soon as they fell asleep on the first night she, oh, was it? Yeah, okay, it I thought like, it was a couple days. No, as soon as like they both fell asleep enough on the first night, she runs away with her loaf of bread, and Richard notices that she's super protective of her loaf of bread, more yeah. so than like her than her doll, her doll, in fact, which she likes. And little just... girls don't don't care about anything but their dolls, so there's something up with that bread. Yeah. Especially, oh, that's right. He also he also found the truth because he said that uh, she was like, oh, I'm going to like. What was it? My grandmother's Hawes mill or uh, something? My, yeah, the, the mill that the Richard and Colin, the, a town that they had run through before they found, had been like devastated, 
to make it look like as if Westlander armies had come through because Darkenrall is trying to build sympathy for his cause once yeah. again. So he gets some of his people to murder and rape a bunch of people. In, in the name of Westland. In the name of Westland so that they don't – they submit to Darkenrall more. Yeah. And when she's like, oh, I'm visiting my grandmother in that town and, and, he, and he's like, I don't think anyone's left in that town. She's like, that's OK. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. She didn't seem upset that her grandmother could have been raped and murdered. So he, was he doesn't like, really bring ah. it up like that. He's just like, I don't think that you should go over there. Everyone, yeah. They were like, that town was she's like, like, OK. Yeah. So he was like, OK, there's something up. Anyway, they figure out something up with a loaf of bread. But she runs away with it before long, and she actually gets, like, there's a little cliffhanger where uh, she encounters a sort of a, a creature called a gar. Oh, man, fuck those things. It's oh, like that's a big... what my note was about, fuck those things. Those are scary. What are they, they're like winged bears or something? Like... They're like winged bear... <sighs> they're like really, not even bears, they're like... They're furry, bat... mammalian they're like... some They're way. like bats... They're like really giant bat bears, yeah. And they have flies that live on their stomach, yeah. Oh, and the, like God, the, the so... flies sort of bite you, and as soon as like you smash one, the gar knows something is up because he knows where all his blood flies are or something. Well, the 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 big gars, right? Yeah. Know, um, I forget what they're called. There's like the short-tailed ones are more short-tailed, dangerous, yeah. And the long-tailed ones are like a little dumber. Yeah, the short-tailed gars know the exact number of flies they have on them. Yeah. Um, and basically, they send their flies out to find prey yeah. to bite them. Which is another interesting little thing. I thought sort that was fan. brilliant. Like, there's, there's I points love of that originality monster. in this book. It's not totally no, no, no. tropey, but. Uh, well, it's totally tropey, but there are points of originality yeah, in it. The, the cool parts. Anyway, Rachel runs into one of these big cliffhanger chapter ending where I was crying because. <laughs> She was I had about to, comfort, to get eaten by a gar. I had to comfort Chris because I had I had finished the book um, before. I'm sorry. And, I had to ask. I couldn't bear the no, anxiety. I know. And I was like, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. And we're so used to like the George R.R. R. Martin world where everything you love is heinously murdered. And I was like, no, we're not reading a George book. It's okay. And he was like, I was no. so worried. But eventually it turns out, again, Deus Ex Machina by Chase sort of. Yeah. There's not even a scene where she – it's just she shows up later with Chase – who is the the appropriate person to be in charge of Rachel, I feel like. Of course. Because I figured you'd identify with him the most. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Big, burly, like, super badass woods guy. That same yeah, sounds that's, like... that's me for sure. <laughs> no, it just sounds like something that you would enjoy being, I guess, if you got a chance. Yeah, I guess, even though I have no chance of being... It's more that, like, if there was anyone that... He has a good family. He cares for them. He he has the strength to protect her from a lot of things without necessarily being too involved in anything major. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, far enough away where he's very protective of her, can handle protecting her, and she can, you know, be finally somewhere where she is told that she is loved and it is meant. Right. That that's That's all I wanted for Rachel, okay? I just wanted her to have a nice life that... And she gets it, thankfully. Yep. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't read the other books in the series, even though I immediately went to her wiki page after. Yeah. I know. There's there's too many books in the series. Like, I'm not reading another 14 of these goddamn things. But anyway, you know, Rachel gets away with this box, and uh, Richard and Colin are still off to uh, Tamarang mm-hmm. to to try and get the box. They get... they realize it's not there. They realize Gillard's Zed gone. has walked back into the picture at this yeah, point. Yeah, he just literally, literally... walks... <laughs> Like, they're at a fire. <gasps> Richard and Colin are, like, sitting at a fire, and they're like, gee, I miss Zed. Well, I wonder what he would say if he was here. And he's like, what's up? I'm right here. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no zero explanation. Yeah, like he it was literally just traipses back into frame. Oh, hey. <clears throat> um, yeah, the only explanation they give is, oh, he can track them by this nightstone they have. 
Yeah, it's like it gives off some light, but it also yeah. like lets some shadows in from the underworld to be able to track oh, them. Oh, oh, can we talk about while we're talking about them sitting at a fire? Okay, they're both guides. Here's the thing: Richard is a woods guide from Westland. Colin is a is also a guide of a, of a type from the Midlands. She just because, is really well traveled. Yes, exactly. So she knows exactly where to go. Yeah, both of them are lighting fires all the time when they're running from the most dangerous person in the world. If you are running from someone, you don't light a fire because you can see that. Why the hell are they lighting yeah, fires? Yeah, well, I all think the they time? light because they're confident that they're the people that are chasing them are at least like a day away or something. They're not right I, up their ass. I think it's dumb. I mean, otherwise they would never stop to rest at all. You know. Obviously, you got to rest a little bit, but they shouldn't be making fires out in the open all the time. It doesn't really make sense. Well, you know, because fire is a thing that is outlawed. In fact, yeah, they're in fact, so there are badass. Fi- there are firefighters in that are mentioned in this book, oh, and yeah. they, they but they are preventative firefighters <laughs> that before any fire, this is where my notion came yeah, from. Right. They fight the fire before it even happens. Yeah. You're not even allowed to have anything that might. It's like Smokey the Bear on steroids, just like, just like hey, <laughs> well, put that fire away, that lighter, put it down. Uh, and have no fire. Do you want someone to catch on fire from your fire? You can't no. have any fire. Don't be warm. Too bad. You'll be yeah. safer freezing to death. So they, anyway, they're off to. Tamarang and the Zed has walked back into the picture at this point. They get Tamarang. Uh, they, I forget, is this the point where they walk in at first acting like they're the confessors? No, that's later, right? Where she, where they just walk in. That's at the very end where they just walk in. No, they they just walk into Tamarang. Oh yeah, that's right. They they just walk in. No door is ever closed to the Mother Confessor so, or the Seeker or the Seeker, and there's a wizard. <clears throat> even Sorry. though they don't know he's the wizard yet, because. <laughs> But they they let her walk in and she has a chat with the queen about oh, like shit. oh I want yeah yeah whack that right boom <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's gonna pop up on oh, the thing. sorry guys but anyway so they walk they walk right in and they Kalan sort of uses her confessor status to just try to inspect the what's, dungeons what's up with uh, the wizard that she knew would be there if the box is in the wrong hands or anything like yeah. that they notice the wizard is conspicuously missing. Uh, they notice he's conspicuously eviscerated when they... Well, that's way later, though. <laughs> no, like, they, they, don't, they don't see him at the council when they're gathered with the queen or anything. So they're like, oh, we're going to go see Giller now. And the queen is like, he's not really in a state to talk. Meaning that he has his guts ripped out in a room upstairs. And he's upside down, like, and the room blew up and the roof is gone. Yeah. Rachel <laughs> saw this when she left because yeah. she saw a huge burst of fire. And that's when the doll stopped telling her that it loved her. Paris, my heart. Paris, <laughs> my heart yeah so so like i was saying giller gave this doll sarah to rachel as like a magical telephone basically where he could just talk to her but she thought it was the doll it would just, he would just keep saying like oh i love you rachel you should help giller yeah like yeah that. it was just kind of fucked up in a way well yeah but, but yeah you know anything that that little girl could get to have comfort yeah. i'm fine with yeah and so the doll was like just remember the box is really important i love you rachel i love you and then she sees the like explosion and then it just stops talking and yeah, you're just like tears oh, fuck. Just, Giller's that, that dead, really man. that really Giller's dead man <laughs> i have to say that it's effective writing in this book it yeah. definitely got to me again point. yeah the writing in this book i think is really good and i i yeah i mean that's what i enjoyed about it anyway so um, they they figure out something's up that dark so and giller's Roll. fucking eviscerated and hang from yeah dark and raw is uh rope. he reads guts is sort of his uh what was Anthropom- anthropomancy anthropomancy yeah where he just eviscerates think, people isn't it actually there? just called um augury i don't know maybe well augury is the reading of dead entrails right I, you tell yeah, me yeah yeah i think so they tried to give it a different name because when he reads them the people have to be alive 
Yeah, Darker Raw just no qualms about eviscerating people, and he didn't mash up this dude's testicles into a paste or anything. That's only for <laughs> no. the children that you murder to yeah. use them as guides through the underworld or what have you. But but they're children that have to love you. Yeah. Even though the way, like, the kid that he had in there, his name was Carl, which is another friend of ours, in fact, which I found. <laughs> That's right. I forgot <laughs> about sorry, that. I'm sorry, but I wasn't as emotionally invested yeah. in Carl. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're probably you're probably listening to this. Um, yeah. But yeah, Carl yeah, got right. a you, uh... hot lead poured down his throat, <laughs> and his right. balls, brain, and heart were eaten. So <laughs> sorry. I did feel bad for him, but it, like he was trapped in like sand the whole yeah, time. Okay, yeah. So, oh man, that that and Dark and Roll just like sort of talked to him the whole time and convinced him that his parents sucked and they're evil, and then he like he had to submit totally. Yeah, and or... then he di- and then he does because Roll yeah. is Dark and Roll is like really good at sort of. The yeah, social engineering thing, yeah, like you were saying exactly. before. Well, here's the thing. Let's talk about the title of the book here now, which is kind of my favorite part of the whole thing oh, that yeah, I thought wizard. was really great. The Wizard's First Rule. What is the Wizard's First Rule, Paris? People are stupid. Brilliant. I love yeah. it. <laughs> fucking yep. excellent, I have to say. It is. That's and like the first rule of wizardry is like, people are fucking dumb, yeah, bro. You don't so, even have to use magic. You just say some shit. Yeah, you just trick people. Yeah, I you mean, just honestly, fucking say some shit and they'll believe you like idiots. Well, that I really liked that as well because I, I think it's a useful rule for life. I feel like that's humans' first rule. Yeah. Other people are stupid. You well, know, if just... you want to be a wizard. We've had discussions <laughs> where I've had that there are such things as like wizards in real life but let's not bring my crazy out right yeah here. <laughs> chris i we'll, think you, we'll, we'll chris, you, you already now. brought your crazy out with that sentence well yeah, we'll explain maybe later <laughs> okay. but like it's not as crazy as it sounds yeah. i've discussed it. anyway anyway wizard's first rule is that people are stupid and that you can convince them of a lot if you just sort of believe in the right way or present it in the correct way well and and just that people will always believe what they want to or they'll believe it because they're afraid of it yeah yeah something like that um, but it was it was a brilliant little plot point yeah. that I it and cut, I guess I guess the rest it's sort of, of the rules. major undoing of Dark and Raw later in yeah. fact. Um, but yeah, so they're in the castle again. They've gotten to Tamarang and they figured out that there's something screwed with the box. They have to go and find it again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because they're like, shit, it's definitely not here. Yeah, like so they eventually the meet up again with Chase, who has found Rachel, and they eventually con- they figure out that Rachel is in possession of the box in the Loaf of Bread yeah. by convincing her that they're not mean people, that they're out to stop Dark and Raw, yeah. who Rachel doesn't like. One time, Dark and Raw was in the same room as Rachel, and my biting my nails in fear. <laughs> but dude, honestly, I was so surprised that he didn't figure that shit out. I was like, wow. Yeah, he like didn't he's know? supposed to be even better than most wizards, and like he like because the, he the web a- that uh, Giller put over the Loaf of Bread was good enough, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, it's, again, sort of the comic, so comically evil that you don't even think about children, you don't think about children as being yeah. a threat, or you don't think there's really any threat to you. Yeah. And that that's sort of his his undoing, is that he doesn't think anything is a threat to him. Yeah. He lets people live constantly when they really shouldn't. He lets Richard um, just walk out of his fucking room, like, there's the big <sighs> confrontation between Dark and Rose. Let You know, let's skip over to that part, because it's about to happen, basically. Cause what well, happens, no, we gotta get to 100 pages of Sodom over that, here. That's, like, <laughs> that's, we have to, yeah, exactly, we'll cut through that, because what happens right here after Rachel gives them the box, or something like that, or lets them know that they have the yeah, box. Yeah, she goes off with Chase, and then... I don't even remember how. They start to go over the bridge, and there's the oh, whole thing yeah. with James the artist, and there's another like weird. Here's oh, a, a spell that, that so popped dumb. up out of nowhere. It's like an invisible wall that shrinks on you, and you have to go and find the original drawing in a cave that the the artist made. Yeah, and, like, the, some alter of the it. shit's so fucking stupid. But it, anyway. yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, this sounds dramatic and cool, so let's put it in here. But there's a loophole in, in that, like if you dr- there's re- always a loophole if you redraw the person that's in the magic painting to look like the person that painted it. Maybe they'll get trapped. That's what Richard does in the. 
end. Yeah, it's real dumb. Um, when he gets trapped by the artist, but even when he tricks the artist this way, he gets captured by a Mord Sith outside. Yeah, because when he tries to use a sort of truth against her, and the thing about a Mord Sith is that if you try to use magic against them, they can then control you with that magic. Yeah, they, they you're under their submission. So thus begins a hundred pages of solid BDSM yep. torture rape. Yeah, dude. That uh, it, Richard goes under. There's it's a whole really like 100 of, pages. I'm, I don't think that's an exaggeration. It might even be more than that. It's probably a little under 100 pages. It's, yeah, somewhere like between that. like, let's say 80 to 100. Basically, this this Mort Sith Denna yep. um, has Richard under her control through like, can control his sword magic to give him sheer pain. She also has a thing called an Agile that she uses to inflict pain on people. Yeah, it's basically a rod of pure pain, but you don't really know what it is if it's heat or cold or it's, it's just, just it's just pure just unadulterated pain it was used yeah. on her to make her become a mort sith because she was literally raped and tortured over and over and over with that agio that she has become intimately familiar with yep. and uses it to turn other people into her become her thralls let's and, say yeah and whenever she which richard it, is under and basically he is just subjected to constant pain for like weeks yeah. And there's a whole lot of like making out with them while he's with being the put... agil in their mouths, which yeah, fuck, that sort sounds of a thing. crazy. There's like rough sex sessions with the agil between them. Yeah, even though they don't they don't, they don't describe, describe it. it. Again, it's like sort of the, the build up to it and then it like sort of fades out or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the Mort Sith are under the control of Dark and Rawl, so this is where Richard is brought to Dark and Rawl. Yeah, Dark and Rawl was the one that sent this particular Mord Sith Denna after Richard because she is kind of the best at what she does. Yeah. Um, and the Mord Sith, again, are an order that protects the Rawl. Yeah. Um, and Dark and Rawl, of course. It's the uh, Rawl. It's like that's his literal last name. It's the House of Rawl. Yeah. It, the Rawl is like the person that's... Oh, that's right. Uh, the Rawls are like the ones that are in charge of the land called Dahara. Yeah. So... It's Dahara, the Midlands, Westland. Yeah. And um, Dahara was separated from the Midlands by a boundary as the West- Westland and Midlands was. Uh, sorry, I just think we didn't explain that. Yeah, well, minor detail. We, we skipped yeah. over a lot of stuff here. Yeah. So, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we can't get to. And as I mentioned, so you should maybe pick up and read the book if you're really interested yeah. in it. Yeah, you should point. read the book. But uh, anyway, Richard gets put in front of Dark and Raw, and Dark and Raw is like, even like, eh, you're not a problem. I have the three boxes already, or something like that. Yeah. Turns out that Richard's brother Michael was a traitor from way earlier, and he was under Dark and Raw's sort of. He was teaming up with Dark and Raw, yeah. and uh, when I guess Chase brought the box to him because he thought Michael would have this army behind him to protect and keep the box, but Michael ends up giving it to Dark and Raw. And Dark and Raw's like, I got the boxes already. I know which one will kill me. You're gonna have to help me choose the one that'll make me all-powerful instead of the one that will erase everything. Well, because he knows that Richard knows something about the Book of Counted Shadows. Yeah. But Dark and Rawl doesn't realize that the Book of Counted Shadows exists only in Richard's mind. Yeah, he literally, his father found it, like, absconded with it from the Midlands somehow. Like, this is really glossed over. He yeah, just, there's literally no explanation. It's supposed to be, like, locked in, under every kind of key, and this dude just gets it because he's that good of a thief or a treasure yeah, hunter or something. Yeah, it's weird. And so he basically makes Richard totally memorize it and then burns the book itself dark and raw doesn't know he he does figure it out but he, well he doesn't he doesn't figure it out until, richard like, the, tells him. until yeah, yeah richard tells him at, at, at like the very end or whatever but he when dark and raw brings him to this meeting he's like i know you're gonna have to help me eventually so you know what you're just fucking free to go bro you'll come back i yeah. know you're gonna help me well because he threatens him with he's like you know what if you come back and help me i'll make sure colin has a comfortable life that a confessor deserves 
Yeah, I mean, comfortable and that she'll be his mate and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah. Because he was like, what it's, it's the better option than everything being erased. I feel like I would just go for like the everything being erased yeah. option if they yeah. came down to it. Yeah, but he doesn't. So he uh, lets Richard basically go. He casts a spell on him again that just out of his butt that just makes everyone think that he is their enemy. Unless, and of course everyone... Unless they're in favor to... Unless they're under the thrall of Darkenral and they see him just normally. So, you know, the magic in this thing is just real convenient for dramatic purposes. Yep. That's basically how you should view the magic in this series is... Bullshit. Convenient for dramatic purposes. Also known as If bullshit. you're fine with that, you're going to be fine with the magic. But see, I'm not. There's always a loophole me. because let's, you know, let's try to actually maybe wrap this up, even though we're a little bit uh, going under time than what we thought. Yeah, it's we're only on like, schedule. We can, it's only an hour 13 right now. We I can think. keep going. We but need to keep going. There's more towards stuff the end, though. they uh, this whole thing happens. Uh, Richard goes off for a week, basically, to try and figure out how he's going to solve everything. He realizes it's kind of hopeless. There's a little side adventure with a dragon whose egg... He helps get back. It was a, a dragon that was in servitude to Dark and Raw because yep. it had captured its egg. Richard Which he just egg. fucking figures out. Yeah, he just kind of magically... He was like, oh, I remember seeing these guards around an egg. And it's like, no, you didn't. You saw a bunch of guards in one place and you guessed. Yeah, like, but, you know, he's the secret of truth. He has really good instincts, though. He oh, we, really... didn't even, we didn't even talk about Denna, though. What about her? About how Richard kind of falls in love with her a little bit. Yeah, there's a little Stockholm Syndrome thing going on. He actually, there's a thing about the sort of truth where, you know, we were talking about how it's motivated by hate and anger, but that's not like sort of the last, his final form of of using the sort of truth. You can make the sword turn white if you figure out sort of the real way to unlock its power, which turns out to be the power of love instead. Of course, that's the power of love, everybody. The the Deus Ex Uh, Machina of all Deus Ex Machinas. Yeah, man. It's love. It'll get you through everything. And he, like, ends up forgiving her because he comes to understand her pain from how she became a Mord Sith. Yeah, because basically the way get, that... Yeah, go ahead and explain this. Yeah, so the way that Mord Siths um, become Mord Siths, every... What is it? Every year, every... Is it every year or every X number of years? I don't think I that matters. That doesn't matter. Anyway, every so often, um, Dark and Rawls people seek out the kindest, sweetest, most good-natured little girls. And they take them, and they subject them to every kind of pain, torture, and rape one could subject one to. Uh, They choose the sweetest, most good-natured little girls because they fall the farthest and therefore become the best Mordsiths. They're even meaner after they've been broken because there's a whole thing about like doing the same thing to their mothers so that they're eventually broken of all empathy and then they have to do it to their dads too. Yeah, they they basically, not only do they inflict all the shit on the little girls that are in training to be Mordsiths, but... They literally tear apart the family as well. Yeah, literally. they, they, um, They rape and torture the mother in front of them, then they make them rape and torture their dads. And there was one other... Oh, and then finally they get raped and tortured by dark and raw yeah that's i mean maybe the last part or something like um that. well no dennis said it was like a yeah an honor for her to yeah. be taken by yeah. dark and oh that's right because they're supposed to be taken by their trainers yeah but then dark and raw took her and basically raped her so hard she's barren yep um and she considered that an honor because yep. so yeah. anyway richard comes to understand her pain unlocks his final form of love power yeah. with a white sword instead of a silver and one. instead of like I don't know. I thought it was actually kind of shitty that he just kills her. 
No, he gives her some sweet loving first. Like, eventually, Denna yeah. comes around and, like, she's like, I want to see what it feels like without the pain. Without and, the Ajeel, and they have and some so they, sex, they, yeah. Yeah, they, that's, like, probably the one clear sex scene in the whole... Yeah, there were a couple of times, yeah. And um, then he just stabs her in the heart with his sword, eventually, because yep. she's accepted it. She's like, I knew this was going to happen eventually, after you kicked that princess's teeth out. Hell yes, Richard. Yeah, yeah, he did that while he was being tortured, and so it, which was supposed to be like this amazing feat. Because, because he like was sassy, even though he was supposedly totally under the control of this Mord Seth Denna. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which I don't really think is explained by the whole love power thing. Yeah, yeah. he just—it's sort of like his, like I said, his final form. He unlocks yeah. the power of love, and he can. Dark and Raw lets him go to figure this shit out. He has this dragon side adventure, and then they basically get brought back. Talking right... Lady Dragon, by the way. Yeah, talking Lady Dragon. There's a couple. Of t- there's a talking wolf, Brophy. It's Brophy, Brophy. the wolf. Oh, oh he's fucking... a bro. He's Brophy the wolf. He's he's not fucking... even in the book that long. He's like uh, two Brophy. chapters, and he's fucking murdered. Yeah. Well, no, because remember, Rachel talks about him way earlier. Yeah, and then she's he, like, my friend Brophy. And then you're like, oh, it's this fucking wolf. Like, what the hell? And then the, the, when the Brophy sees her later, he's like, Rachel, is that you? And she's like, Brophy. And I was like, oh, good. She met a friend again. Hooray. But and then, then Brophy gets fucking murdered. Yeah, it's he's like, the only good character that gets murdered. Yeah, I think. The, he just he tries to attack someone that's attacking them and just instantly gets fucked up. Yeah, like, totally. yeah. It's towards the end of the book, but still, poor Brophy, man. He was a bro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it basically comes to the point where it's at the very end here. Everything is – it's the first day of winter, which Dark and Raw sort of had to do it by this day or else, like, the magic would kill him somehow even if he didn't. Yeah, that's – none of this shit's explained. But, yeah, yeah that's it. So they're they're finally coming back. Uh, Richard had tried to contact Zed and Kalan before, but he appeared as Dark and Raw to them because of the enemy – seeing spell that yeah. had been cast on and, him. And it was also changing his speech. So he was speaking hi to Haran, which – why didn't Colin know that? I don't know. She, she knows every other language, but doesn't know Daharan. She knows Daharin. Midland's languages super well. She doesn't know Daharan super well, I think. Uh, yeah, but it's just more oh, conveniently she didn't yeah, know that I think thing. It's kind There's of always bullshit. like, the, oh, there's the loophole. I think it's also bullshit that Zed didn't know Daharan either, yeah. considering his background. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, so he tries to contact them, but then he like realizes he can't. they, they think he's dark and raw. So, so he, they try to kill him a couple times. So he tries to just meet up with dark and raw and supersede everything somehow yeah. uh zed chase and Colin come into the garden of life where darken performs most of his rituals including yeah. the whole molten lead child murder yeah, eating ball yeah. sack thing <laughs> yeah oh but this was after basically uh Kalan goes Super Saiyan. Yeah, she goes into the Kondar. The Kondar, which is a blood rage that which is... Which is Super Saiyan. Because she heard Richard got uh, sort of taken by the Mord Sith, so she screamed... She literally screams a bunch, some energy pops up around yeah, her. It's... If her hair had went blonde, it would have been 100% a Super Saiyan transformation. Yeah, dude, it's total bullshit. Like, it's a, I was again, actually... Here's the thing, what happens, it's basically supposed to be a thing where, like, it's the final sacrifice of her life energy. Once she yeah. goes into it, she's supposed to die after. Yeah. And she goes and she... When she meets up with uh, what she thinks is Dark and Raw, which is really Richard, yeah, in the under the spell, she tries to touch him to finally turn him under her command, right? And you know, um, as soon as he does that, the real Dark and Raw comes out. It's like, ha ha, that's really <laughs> Richard. <laughs> yeah, I fooled you. And but then, like, she comes out of the Condar blood yeah, raid, and she doesn't die inexplicably, and. Richard isn't taken by her power because 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 love because because they really, already really because loved he her. already really loved her. So why would uh, this be a problem for relationships with confessors if like if you really love them 
then it's okay. Zed says it's a thing. Oh, I just didn't say it because if there was ever a seed of doubt, then you can't ever really be sure. So it wouldn't work in the end. So if I didn't say anything, it's the only way to actually make it so that happens. And but, his wife was a confessor too. Surprise, surprise. But but yeah, it's it's just a bunch of this stuff where it's, it's little tiny loopholes that aren't mentioned until after the fact. Yeah, and, and which honestly don't make sense. They're not and truly loopholes. This is what happens basically. Uh, Richard, who is supposed to now be under the confessor's control um, and only telling the truth about things, Dark and Raw uses this as his opportunity to come in and like just – put any, everyone under his submission. Zed is like frozen in place or something. Chase is frozen in place. Chase is frozen in place. They're all uh, bound, basically. I forget what happened to Zed. They're all, basically, they can't do anything. Yeah. Um, Magically fucked. I don't uh, know. Kalan is supposed to have spent her power so she can't do it again at this point. Yeah. Richard is supposed to be telling the truth so he tries to get uh, Richard to recite the Book of Counted Shadows so he can do the ritual accurately and pick the correct box so he isn't annihilated. And he supposedly knows which box will kill him, yep. which is why he was calling from before. But there's a conflict in the Book of Counted Shadows that Richard recites. And he's like, are you really telling me the truth? Are you really telling me the truth? I'm, I'll cut Colin's throat. And he's like, no, I'm really telling the truth. I'm under the confessor's touch of, of the mistress. Yeah. How can I lie or something? And then, surprise, surprise, he opens the wrong fucking box. Because Because wizards dumb. first rule, yep. people are stupid. And Richard had, you know, sort of used the loophole exploited the loophole in that he didn't even know but he knew that he wasn't under the confessor's touch but he pretended to be yeah. after in the instant that it didn't happen i suppose in order to be able <sighs> yeah. to fool dark and raw so yeah again here's the sort of major problem we had with the book with is just a whole lot of just magical loopholes that don't you don't sense. know about they make sense I no suppose. they don't chris you just explained yeah how like, it i don't see sense. why the power of love wouldn't deter the confessor's touch and why that would mean it was it's such a problem for a confessor to take a mate that's yeah. true because if they're true then apparently the touch doesn't work yeah so what's the problem and, and here here we go again with the true love bullshit like god damn it god yeah damn like it. true love isn't just necessarily a, a real feeling it's something that's it's a a foundation of experiences and troubles and stuff that you've gone through with someone and a trust that you've built with them i suppose you could argue that that's really what he they're talking about here but but this makes it seem like i'm, I'm talking about true love in the sense that you know it's like a real true monogamy like one for, for one yeah, that's it you yeah. know and it's like oh god it, 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 i don't buy all that all the way me the neither thing. and i i really hate that that was a major part of um you know the end of the book this is all again the magical loopholes where it's not really explained and zed is always a mysterious wizard that just like is always like you never asked about this so i didn't say anything or if you had known the magic wouldn't have worked because intent is a big part of yeah, it even yeah. though like how are we supposed to know how anything I, I feel like if i read the rest of the series i would never really know if zed had something up his sleeve or not or any yeah. magi- or wizard or whatever had something up their sleeve that could fix things or not right because there was always at least a downside to things, I suppose. There was never really just a pure, this is always awesome, let's just use it all the time thing. But you never have a clear sense of how it works. Yeah, no, of course it's, not. I suppose that works for some – it works dramatically because, of course, you know, you don't know how it's going to work out until the very moment after or something like that. But then that kind of ruins the – my immersion into the world well, that's a little what I bit, mean. I like, I, I get that people are like, oh, it's fantasy. It's not supposed to be realistic. But you know what? You still need a realistic 
Um, I don't even say realistic, just consistent. Uh, yeah, consistent. Thank you. I, I Something think that's, that I have a clear framework to, to understand. Yeah. And if you can work drama within that, it's much more powerful. Exactly. Because you, you really feel like you understand what's going on. Whereas in this one, like you know that uh, there's probably going to be some magic shit that will help yeah. him out. You don't know how it works. They, they could pull the magic anti-backwards box of yeah, Orton right. it's like, out of their pocket. And like, nope, never mind. I just didn't say anything about this because yeah, the drama. So here comes to where our closing points of the book here, I suppose. We uh, will have the big argument that I wanted to ask you yep. that we, we already discussed a little bit in that. Is it a terrible book, mm. even though it, it uses a lot of fantasy elements that we're used to? It doesn't have like elves and orcs and dwarves necessarily, but it's definitely the hero's journey, which we've seen so many times. Yeah. Um, there's the magic sword, the talking animals and the dragons and... Uh, yeah. These aren't again. These are, these are useful in that people can have a, a something to hold on to in a fantasy world. Um, especially like in the D and D campaign that I run, I, it's not totally original by any means. It, I there's dragons here and there. And, well, no, but that's for that's for a group of friends. You're not publishing. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll Probably see. not. Don't worry about that part. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's something for people to grab onto. But does that necessarily make it sort of a bad thing? If he still told an enjoyable story, but didn't really branch out the genre a whole lot. Well, I already. First of all, I already answered this. Yeah. Second of all, um, well, sorry. No, no, Excuse no. me, princess. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. You know, I, I already gave you my answer. But uh, furthermore, the story was enjoyable in some respects. Like I said, I really liked the writing quality. I liked the character development, but. It frustrated me in that, once again, love conquers all and all this shit. I, well, it kind of – Compassion enjoy, I didn't enjoy it. is certainly a thing that can be a powerful force. You know, it's not – maybe not necessarily like true monogamous romantic love a thing, but compassion is certainly a force, I think. I well, don't think- fine, but I really – I just really wish books could get away from that. We're on book three, and it's been in every book we've read so far. Yeah, love is a drug. But it's a, it is a powerful human force. It's a part of human nature that this is a huge driving factor about it why is. we do anything. I've done a bunch of dumb or stupid or annoying things in the name of I love someone so much uh, that right. maybe I shouldn't I think, have done or something like that. I or, think we all have. Or should but... have done or was compelled to do a good thing because I love someone. Right, but I think, but I think art is a way for humans to grapple with these forces like like love um and i, I guess i just expect more out of people i guess i expect people to sort of push this and i do agree try that to it, get away it, it from should be that. looked in a more complex manner where it's like i want to see a fantasy book or any book that describes love as something that is built over time right. like it takes a long time to really get someone's trust and have them you know really be that bonded to you i think right. and there's a deeper complexity to it than just like they're attractive they're nice to me right and, and, and they're and a I good wish, person that's it right and i kind of wish the focus of a story would be a different type of love and not just romantic love i mean obviously you know richard and zed are you know have a love for each other but it's not spoken of in the same way and it seems like in the, the grandfather by the way zed is richard's grandfather Zed literally out. is richard's grandfather dark and raw turns out to be richard's real father even because though he star wars say, just zed and Darkin have this like little conversation where like oh by the way yeah i'm richard's fa- grandfather and you're his father yeah that's right just dark and it's literally just like know. a little by the way and then yeah. he explodes and dies like that <laughs> yeah um yeah so dark and raw is richard's father zed is richard's grandfather because dark and raw raped 
Zed's daughter, who was a confessor because Zed's wife was a confessor. Yeah. Um, and they and it's, they, I guess the other thing that we talked about where like everyone is related to each other. It's like soap opera y or TV series y in that like he's his brother yeah. from here. But interesting the- that they didn't kill Richard because he was the male son of a confessor and the son of Dark and Raw. I don't I you know I don't think that Zed's wife was a confessor, was yes, he? Yes, yeah. I I didn't she pick was, that up. She was a that's that's why when when they were like, well, how do you know about this? And he was like, I know about the love thing because yeah, his wife was a confessor and his daughter was a confessor because confessors can only come from. Female well, confessors. he also mentions that uh, Richard is sort of the amalgamation of the raw bloodline of and controlling the, and hate the Zool- and the Zorander bloodline. I almost said Zoolander. Zool- yeah, I, I kind of had that moment a lot <laughs> the in the books Zoolander too. I was bloodline. like, oh, it's Derek Zoolander, the magic wizard. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But no. he's sort of like this combination of the ultimate hate and love magic. So yeah. he, you know, yeah, there's a whole ending where, like, you know, the whole armies are his now, and he's the master of House Raw. Even though he he's master Raw now, he doesn't realize it, and like, he's, yeah, he still he has no idea for like. 30 pages, he's like, well, I don't know, why do they keep calling me that? Blah, and everyone's yeah. there, and the dragon comes down, and like, look at my egg hatch, is happy, and Rachel's there with the doll in her mouth, which I was very happy about. Yeah. And, and everyone, it's a big happy ending kind of a thing. Yeah. But here's another thing about this book, because like my criticism of Marked in the last podcast was that it was a setup book that didn't do anything to to set anything up. Yeah, I mean... Well, it was just like this really, it, it was really just a book that's told you all the like the backstory about anything and had a tiny conflict between two high school girls over the leadership in a sorority which was nothing and there was barely an arc there that i cared about especially in the broader context of what might come later in marked i suppose whereas this book has a very good rising and falling action there's some there's room for future things that are good on their own but if you just read this book and stopped here it will be a fine story on its own. Which I think we're doing because 14 more books of, of 800 pages. Yeah, we, we're going to be reading more books for this thing and like we have to pick and choose at this point, which is... Yeah, which is... I'm glad that we had a decent experience this time. Yeah, I really... Maybe Terrible Book Club isn't always for terrible books, but... Well, I mean, it, like, like we already discussed, this book isn't... It's not in the same realm as Marked or The Overton Window. Yeah. Um, but we but picked it, it up for different parts. reasons because we have, want to have this discussion about what's good for a fantasy genre do you need to be original to be good i don't think you need to be original to be good or enjoyable i think you the way you put it correct me if i'm wrong is that you would prefer to see more originality you can accept that it's a good story but there's too much of sort of just not branching out enough even though there was points of originality that you enjoyed yeah maybe you wanted just something a little more maybe if the magic was more clearly defined or yeah there were a lot of you know i mean things i've already talked about yeah i mean you know just a consistent magic scheme uh magical environment i should say things that again a focus on romantic love being the greatest power could do without that um and just yeah, so just, cynical, Paris. I'm sorry. I just think that people. <laughs> no, need no. People, in their I, lives. I believe people should be cynical. And again, I have the thing where I, I, it should be stressed that love, especially, is something built out of experiences together and and shared shared experiences that you've had and sacrifice and compromise and really learning about the inner workings of another person instead of just like they're pretty and nice. Yeah. Good enough. Which I mean, I think Richard and Colin had some of. Oh yeah, no, there was definitely there it was, was better. Again, yeah. It was a, probably one of the better relationships in a fantasy series that I've read. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll agree with that. But yeah, anyway, there were just it was just too tropey for me. Too many tropes. Okay. Any other thoughts? 
Um, I think people should read this. If I would agree. Um... Like, you know, this isn't, it's not a terrible book, as we started at the start here. It's yeah. a pretty good read. It's okay, yeah. Um, um, if you don't like, if you don't mind your t- fantasy tropey, which I'm sure plenty of people don't. Yeah, plenty of people don't. Plenty of people think this book is great. Um, I wouldn't oh, begrudge them that opinion. Don't read the. Uh, I mean, don't, no, sorry, not don't read. Don't watch the Legend of the Seeker though, the TV series on which. This well, we was haven't based. watched it. We just saw some trailers, but I, we might have to take man, a peek at it for a little bit. If there's bit. some riff tracks, maybe it looks real. I bad. doubt that, that but yeah. it looks really bad. Um, any other? Nothing else to say here. No, um, I think that about wraps it up. Okay, yeah, well, so let's talk about some other side stuff here. We finally yeah. got some new hosting oh, on yeah. Libsyn. Uh, you can find us at terriblebookclub.libsyn.com. Correct, yeah. If you want to be able to download our stuff from a reliable host that doesn't, uh, you know, cut off our time or anything like that. Yep, um, we're prevent also... prevent us from adding certain types of music. And right, yeah, now we There's can... an RSS feed that you can get if you just add slash RSS onto the end of that URL. Yep. We have a Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash terriblebookclub, yep. I believe so. we're also so. now on iTunes, on so you iTunes, can subscribe to us. There's a couple of places. Yeah, feel, please start communicating with us. Yeah. yeah we would like to hear from listeners suggestions for terrible books you might yeah, have you can what su- you thought about stuff what we suck at if you want to yeah. hear some more or something like that you know like comment subscribe share all this youtube yeah, nonsense I mean, and, and stuff and like that and we also have terribleclub at gmail.com as our email so oh we do yeah please yeah. send us any sort of suggestions suggestions or yeah. commentary we would love to hear from that we, we'd like to have a, a larger pool of terrible books uh from which to we choose, have a list so. we have a list we have a list but eh, there's a lot we of could, the same stuff we could it. use some more be, feel free to throw any recommendation you have as maybe eventually you can start sending books to us but we'll yeah. talk about that eventually you know if you have a suggestion or if you want to send us something send us an email at terriblebookclub at gmail check us out on terriblebookclub.libsyn.com or on itunes and uh, if that's it, then uh, I'm putting on my robe and wizard hat, Paris. <laughs> um, oh, I just wanted to make a note. I'm going to be out of the country uh, for a couple weeks, so we're not going to have another episode for... At least a couple of weeks. Yeah, like three weeks, hopefully no longer Maybe than that. we can at least still pick out the next book and I can start reading it. Yeah. And this time I'll be done before you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll still be... I, I still will be reading a little bit while I'm away, but I have some real books that I'm reading um, that I'll be reading on the plane and such, so... Well, this wasn't a real book. <laughs> this is a fake book. Yeah, these are my False terrible flag books. Book. Yeah, no, I read terrible books, and I also have regular books that I read. Oh, okay. I, I double fist books. Okay, um, well, yeah, I've certainly been reading more as well. Yeah. And with that note, we uh, hope to hear everybody's opinions and comments if they can. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, feel free to reach out. You'll be hearing from us soon again. All right, cool. See you, Paris. Yeah.